there's a sort of equivalence between creativity and, and learning. They are both sort of change processes. They are both transformation processes. So when we learn that process of transformation is not just a fixed point in time. It's not just a quantified moment in an assessment process. It's an ongoing oscillating dynamic process that, that has a trajectory, it has momentum, it has direction. And well, what if we give all of this to the student to develop high levels of agency where they're responsible for the knowledge exchange, where they have the ability to leverage different skills for different contexts and different content? What does that look like? Hello and welcome to the Meaningful Learning Podcast by Coconut Thinking. I'm your host, Dr. Benjamin Freud, and Happy New Year. Feels like 2020 was never going to end, and uh, I'm hopeful about 2021, if only because the only way seems to be up. Luckily, um, good things have come out of this period. I think that we need to focus on the positives, and one of those positives might be how much easier it is to build our global network, our connections, and how it's perfectly normal now to just send someone a message on a social platform, on a WhatsApp or whatever, and say, hey, saw what you were doing online, really interesting. Would you mind uh, setting up a call with me and find out more about uh, what each other's doing and exchange ideas? And that's exactly what I did with Michael Bunce, today's guest. I met Michael virtually uh, through the ReLearn conference. He and I both had presentations about impact. And while we approached impact in slightly different ways, I was so interested by what Michael's doing, what his work is all about. He is heading up the Metapraxis project, and I probably can't do justice to everything that Michael does, everything he's interested in, but he is an artist, a musician, tremendously creative, tremendously interesting in terms of his approach to learning and the impact learning has, how learning happens at every moment and needs to be adjusted at every moment. And I'm really hoping that uh, you'll find a lot from this conversation uh, about how the mind works, how we can work with uh, students and agency. And so with no further ado, I will leave space for my conversation with Michael. Well, thanks, Michael. I'm really excited to have you on our show. Uh, you present uh, a different profile from a lot of the people to whom we've uh, spoken before, and I'm really excited to get your views on, um, on education, on learning, on assessment. And specifically, you and I connected at the ReLearn conference when um, we both shared this, um, this uh, curiosity about impact. So I'd like to ask you a few questions. And the first one is, who are you? What do you do? And how do you try to make a difference? Um, Benjamin, thank you. It's really, really good to be here. Um, my name is Michael Bunce. I'm a senior lecturer at the University of East London, and I course lead the Masters in Global Learning Futures there, which is a, a sort of postgraduate program aimed at um, really looking at the opportunity that sits within a sort of transformative opportunity that sits within interdisciplinary learning and looking at that across sectors. So it's not only about learning within education, but also, um, you know, looking at the transformative opportunity that learning has and interdisciplinary learning in particular can have in other types of organizations and, and other types of industries. Um, I'm sitting in a house um, in Australia and I'm currently leading a project here um, called Metapraxis. And that is very much centered around the same kind of concept, um, the idea of integrated practice and theory, um, and there being also a meta dimension to that. So this idea of metacognition playing into that, um, reflexive interdisciplinary learning essentially, and seeing opportunities to leverage skills for, for different contexts. So I'm working with 12 schools um, with the Association of Independent Schools South Australia um, to develop over three years interdisciplinary learning projects that they design, co-design together. And the idea really with that is to, I suppose, focus on what we in Australia here have as a sort of set of general capabilities. So those transversal skills, um, lateral skills development that sit across what you might think of as a sort of traditional disciplinary uh, curriculum. Um, and we're trying to get at that in different ways. Um, I'm sort of, you know, really interested in the idea that we, we access some of these more multidimensional approaches indirectly rather than directly. So it's not a linear approach to teaching and learning. In, within a disciplinary structure, um, but much more about, um, you know, sort of hybrid ways of us accessing it and, and ways in which we can we can get to uh, more complex 
um, learning, perhaps um, within uh, you know projects that are looking at collaboration skills or looking at creativity or, or cognitive um, skills that are um, you know aligned to problem solving, uh, for example. So so that sort of that's what I'm what I'm doing now. That's, um, and and as you say, we linked at the relearn in the relearn festival, and there I was presenting something that is a focus of my research um, at the university, um, but also connected to the meta praxis project that I'm that I'm leading here, um, and it's very much about you know recognizing learning or capturing the impact of learning um, with a focus you know on impact um, as we've 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 spoken about before, um, and the idea for me is that that what is what is impact well it's not um a kind of retrospective summative process necessarily it's a it's very much a sort of forward-facing future-focused um approach which recognizes as much you know what we might be able to ident identify um in the learning process as a sort of summative process but a, 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 and and the potential of it too so it's, it's very much about that so I'm getting into lots of detail about the, the, the what am I doing um, and, and getting into the sort of philosophy of it. Um, perhaps that leads more neatly then into, you know, why am I make, why do I, why, what, how am I making a difference? I think that was the, the last part of your question. Um, for me, there's a sort of equivalence between creativity and, and learning. Um, they are both sort of change processes. They are both transformation processes. And there are skills that sit you know at the center or at the core of both of those processes that are um you know sort of equivalent there's a sort of equivalence to that um i'm a musician i'm i'm a composer i'm a pianist i'm a drummer i love playing jazz um i did a master's in electroacoustic composition which is a very sort of you know uh experimental approach i suppose to um to sound design and, and, and composition with sound as a sort of material. Um, and so a lot of that practice, uh, as well as the a lot of interdisciplinary collaboration that I do um, as, a, as a practitioner, as an artist, develop skills in collaboration, develop skills in problem solving that, um, you know, that are very, very much aligned to what you might want to develop, I, I suppose, as a set of skills um, as a learner. Um, there's something in the arts that I think we do a lot, which is to deal with undefined variables. Um, in fact, we thrive on them, um, which are, you know, that's very much part of the, the, the process of problem solving. And, and in a way, every creative process is one of problem solving. Um, and in a way, framing it as a problem uh, is not necessarily the, the right emphasis. I think sometimes it's very much about, um, you know, framing it as an opportunity. And I know that's, slightly cliched, but I think that there is that. There's an opportunity in not knowing, there's an opportunity in bridging the gap, there's an opportunity in, in, in following a path but not being quite sure where it's going to lead you. And so there's, I'm passionate about you know, that kind of practice and I'm, and I'm wanting to establish that as a skill set, establish that as a mode of practice uh, within, within learning, within the context of learning, um, because I believe those approaches that are both what we might think of as a kind of quantitative way of working in within disciplines um but also a sort of qualitative experiential way of working across them um are, are i think have really significant impact for for learners and their and their potential and that's the short <laughs> sorry about no no there's, there's, there's a lot there there's a lot to unpack there um i'm going to start with the idea because you brought up learning so many times and we ask every guest so that we can have a shared understanding of what learning is. What is your definition of learning? How do you define learning? I, well, without repeating myself, I think I'm going, you know, going back to that idea. Um, if you take it at a sort of that meta level of thinking, okay, so what is what is that in, in its most straightforward um, definition then it's a transformation process and it's a and it's a transformation process in that equivalence with creativity um but i think within that transformation process is that, that there's a sort of exchange between the individual and their context and that that exchange is very much you know centers around the dynamics of what that transformation process looks like so i you, you know i'm i'm 
for me, learning is a is that mediation of self and other, and and adapting to the to, to the to one's context, whether that's a kind of collaborative social context or whether it's a sort of environmental or technological kind of context. Um, and 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 you, you know we could we could talk about that as growth, we could talk about that as transform transformation. Um, but I think for me what's crucial as part of that was perhaps fundamental is is the sense of building and developing awareness and, and, and adaptive capacity. Uh, within that. So one of the things that I'm doing, um, working with schools here, and, and as part of my research really, is to look at um, learning as a kind of process of applying skills within con contexts that are maybe disciplinary, or it might be a social context, a collaborative context, an arts practice context. Um, and that, 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 that then is sort of leveraging, is it leveraging skills for different contexts and also then different content uh, that sits within the, the, that disciplinary structure perhaps, or even in an interdisciplinary structure. And thinking about it in that way puts a focus on what, I'm, what I term, uh, uh, I suppose if you think about it as a learning process, so thinking about a sort of mode of engagement, a mode of interaction, a mode of inquiry. And that for me is the learning kind of pattern, the learning algorithm, the learning process. And what I establish um, as part of that model is this concept that isn't, you know, dissimilar. In fact, it builds on, uh, you know, Piaget's concepts, of, for example, of, you know, accommodation and um, as a part, as a sort of process of adapting to a change. Um, and, and then you could look at another model, you could look at design thinking as a, as a, as a concept around convergent and divergent um, thinking processes or learning processes. Um, what I look at in that is this idea that sensing comes first, this, this kind of, you know, developing awareness. And, then, and, and this is not a linear process. So we sense and we then reflect. There's a process then of interacting or acting um, and then orders, so I can I can sense, reflect, resense, interact, uh, reflect again, um, sense again, interact to then finally adapt, and it's all about that process of um, you know applying a model to a context, applying something that sits there as a model in your mind and um, applying it to a context and testing that against the context. And I suppose a, that, that, that sort of speaks the language of hypothesis in some way, but I think we do that all the time and we can see that at a micro level. So if I think about, um, you know, playing a single note on the violin, um, to keep that note as we, you know, in tune in inverted commas, um, I, I have to constantly sense, I have to then I interact with the string, I'm interacting with the bow, I am uh, adapting, so I'm changing the, the position of my finger to maintain that, I'm changing and, you know, physic the physicality of the bow and the, and the, and the tension and the, and the amount of pressure. Um, all of these things I'm mediating and through this constant process of sensing, reflecting, interacting, adapting and back again. And, and, and again, I stress, not necessarily in that order. Um, and we can think about that on a, on a sort of macro level. Um, so if we think about collaboration as a learning process, well, so how do we sense together? How do we reflect together? How do we interact? How do we then adapt or modify the model that we, that we had as a collaborative you know, process? So it's, it's, some of this is easier to sort of take in with, with uh, you know, a diagram perhaps, but, um, for me, that that is the kind of algorithm of the learning mode. So the mode of interaction, the mode of inquiry carries with it a, a process of sensing, a process of reflecting, and then through interaction um, and reflection and sensing, we kind of then adapt and update our, um, you know, maybe it's our muscle memory if we go back to the idea of thinking about playing the violin. It could be that we're adapting um, our model of understanding or uh, a belief so so um the simple quick answer is that it's a you know, it's a transformation process um but the dynamics of that transformation are a mediation between your 
your your individual your subject of experience um the objects of learning and the context that you know an applied in context um and that we we can get into later but it kind of leads me on you know then linking to kind of theory of Vygotsky's, Vygotsky's mediational model of thinking about you know you know the subject the object and and the, and the tools we apply um and and thinking about that as a kind of opportunity for growth so how do we then map that as a as a process of change um and you, you know i suppose i can tag that as a concept for me is that this idea of a sort of learning vector so so when we learn that process of transformation is not just a fixed point in time it's not just a quantified moment in an assessment process it's an ongoing uh um you know oscillating pro dynamic process that that has a trajectory it has momentum it has direction um and, and, and it's you know and i'm and i'm getting into the another world now of course but um you know that 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 really is you know i, I suppose that's the core concept for me um because it can then be applied at micro macro and meta levels so I'm going to ask you how this is applied in in uh, in practice. So the schools that you work with in Australia, I'm going to ask you in a minute about this. But I do want to point out, if I understood correctly, this and and you you pointed it out um, just a minute ago. This takes away any kind of value that we can lend to summative assessments because that is just a, a, an infinitesimally small slice of of of. Of, of time in, in the learner's trajectory mm. and today at this minute right now you are here but then boom as yeah. soon as there's someone gone it's 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 done i mean it's it's quite it's it's almost buddhist in a way right yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's like the river that flows you know yeah. um so so there's there's no that that turns education completely on its head mm. because because yeah. and it personalizes it because it personalizes it because what you're what you're talking about is the experience of the learner as opposed to you know the systemic kind of structures that that summative, summative assessment might speak to i wouldn't say that it completely takes it away i mean what i'm you know if we think about knowledge you know this we can be reductive in the way that we think about knowledge and we can we can quantify everything we can go smaller and smaller until we find all of the various components of of, of our understanding or of a of an object or of a thing um, and then the other way is to think about it in terms of uh, you know our experience and and what is its effect, and I think so. It's so so. It's, it's, in a way, I'm trying to tr sort of coordinate two things in this when we apply this, so that we 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 don't leave behind you know the disciplines and we don't leave behind what might be those marker points of of, a, of achievement um, or you know that's well that's limited to, to you know the concept of assessment maybe, um, but what we do is we we correlate those with what is a much more almost much less easily defined process perhaps because it's about the learner's experience it's about the effect and this is where we get to the concept of impact for, for me impact coordinates those two things it says well we can recognize impact here by assessing this quantifiable point summatively or even formatively as part of a you know chain of of events i guess um, but we, we we were also able to recognize the potential for the next learning opportunity or that that has a kind of multi-dimensional impact so we can say it's not just about the assessment so much as you as a learner being able to reflect upon the way in which that change in your capability could have impact across multi-dimensional you know multi-dimensions and and in that way it's personalized because it's going to be different for different learners and it's and it's a focus on on that so it, so it is that it is turning on its head on its head for sure because it's not leading with the system it's learning leading with the learner's experience and and the, and the, the change in their capability that transformative opportunity um it's talking about potential so it's kind of projecting into the future but it's also then thinking broadly about uh, more broadly about what the effects of learning are um and so it sort of breaches outside the, the kind of system in, in many ways and this is 
I mean, this is something that is really highlighted in in recent times. I did some seminars for, you know, the when when COVID nineteen first hit, looking at what what the impact for schools was, and and part of the discussion there was recognizing that um, there's a lot of learning that takes place outside of the school, as if we hadn't caught on to that already, you know. <laughs> and how do we capture? How do we capture that? And what, how do we control it? How do we how do we know that it's happening? What are the assessment processes that capture that? Um, and there's there's something there in in that in that about rigor. There's something about our confidence in in learning recognition you know how is it how do we recognize that it's taking place how do we know um and there's a sort of trust process that 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 is deeply embedded in the system you know we we, we trust because we have trusted and and it ever was it thus and um you know that's not that doesn't necessarily uh all ring true for every every learner um, you know, if you're always a, a kind of following a linear system, so 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 I think, you know, that 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 for me is is the idea that it does shift us into a different point of emphasis. So the emphasis is much more on applied skills and the the potential of the impact and the potential of of, of learning, um, not only as a quantified thing, but also for its qualitative experiential effect and so guide us through what that looks like when we talked about transformation how does that look look like from a transformative point of view in, in a school itself what what is different uh in a school that that applies um this kind of thinking this kind of uh system yeah so well so if i can maybe just take you know, go, go tell the story a little bit of how the project's evolved and we're halfway through um so year and a half in to the three year, well, actually it's nearly the end of the second year, sorry, <laughs> time's, time's flying this year. Um, and so, so in a way what's happened with many schools is they began the process by, by thinking about it in terms of their own approach to teaching and their own approach to curriculum development and design. Um, and, and it's actually only in, at, at this point, really maybe about halfway through that we've then started to see um, you know, some of that take effect with students um, and for that to, to you know, to, 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 to um, start to embed itself. And the opportunity, I think, in the, with the approach, which, which essentially says, let's not, let's not necessarily think about disciplines first as, as the containers of knowledge and skills and, and, and content and information. Um, because perhaps that is too content focused, you know, primarily it's content focused. Um, and this links to the work of Charles Fidel and the Centre for Curriculum Redesign with a concept of four dimensional learning. But particularly for me, it's this idea of um, transfer becoming more and more important. And by that idea of knowledge exchange, being able to um, apply skills and information and, and you know, knowledge to different contexts. Um, and it's often in the hierarchy of things seen as a sort of higher level skill, you know, we, it's sort of we, we develop expertise and then we're able to transfer that from one context to another. When does that happen? Does that happen when I'm a professor? Does that happen when I'm um, at year 12 in my education process? Or is it happening all the time? And are we sort of oscillating between, you know, these different states of uh, um, and, and so, so that primary focus on the concept of transfer, um, for me, is what starts this um, process. So we, if we're able to um, kind of disassemble this kind of disciplinary content-based approach and to look at what is the kind of meta-structure, so I've talked about this already a little bit, but, you know, so we can say, well, there's, there's content, there are contexts to our learning, so, and, and then there are, there are modes that, um, or learning processes that we apply. And in a traditional disciplinary kind of structure, we might see that all three of those things bound up within that discipline. So there are, if I'm a physicist, there is, there's, a content, there's content to the curriculum that will be sequenced. Um, there are contexts. So the context of physics, the wider context of science, there may be context within 
you know, subcontext within physics that, that, that sort of contain what that process is and what it means in context. Um, and then there are skill sets that we apply. There are techniques, there are, there are modes of inquiry. So, you know, we might be looking at a hypothesis driven approach um, to experiments, um, for example, to test a theory. Um, and there are, there are things, micro sort of skills that we will apply to, to, to carry those out. Um, we could think about it at the other end of the spectrum and, and pose the question, well, what if we could apply the modes of inquiry or, or the techniques from one discipline to the context of another as a way of interrogating a different set of content um, or to develop new content. Um, and so if we can start to create uh, uh, different kinds of combinations of these modes and the context of learning and the different types of content, then we can, we can model a, a process that helps to develop student agency because it provides more of an opportunity for them to exceed the boundaries of, of the disciplines that they're teaching or learning within, um, rather. And if we, if we, the other end of the spectrum for me was influenced by, you know, my own experience uh, as, as an interdisciplinary practitioner, as an artist, as a musician, but also then those, the experience of working with people I collaborate with, recognizing that some of them are incredible musicians or incredible artists because what they can do is leverage their skills dynamically for different contexts and different content. They have, there's, a, there's a kind of interpretive process that happens. There are high level kind of, I guess, um, what you might think of as kind of cognitive processes, but it's applied in applied cognitive processes um, that sit between that, that kind of hermeneutic cycle of analysis and synthesis, being able to really interrogate something um, um, dynamically and work with it. So the, the, the idea is that at that other end of the spectrum, well, what if we give over, a foot, you know, all of this to the student to develop high levels of agency where they're responsible for the knowledge exchange, um, where they have the ability to leverage different skills for different contexts and different content. What does that look like? And so we're now, what that does, I think from, you know, within the schools is put, gives an opportunity for us to think about, well, how do we get to this position of being able to develop these skills in, you know, critical thinking, uh, collaboration, creativity, um, that might be emergent, that might not necessarily be part of a planned curriculum. And so it, it, it establishes a sort of continuum that might help to scaffold that to develop skills that are then about experimentation and exploration, um, but also to be able to recognize skills that might then emerge and knowledge that might be sort of sit implicitly within the learning approach of the learner rather than being taught explicitly by the person that holds the knowledge. Um, and so schools are working to establish practice that sits somewhere between those two points to go from what we might think of as the kind of teacher led content driven more didactically taught curriculum all the way through to one which is, uh, you know, very open student led um, with much, you know, greater levels of, of choice and, and student agency within that. And what does that look like practically? So like describe we, because you know the student agency a lot of more choice how, how does that happen how does that what does that look like on the ground so um i won't talk you through what are the 27 permutations of of putting uh, content content and context sorry content context and mode into three states so that whether they're static sequential or dynamic i i said i won't so i'm going to stop there but um but the idea is that there's a sort of sequence to that will enable us to um, create scenarios that might look like project-based learning, that might look like, you know, STEM or STEAM projects. Um, in in some, we can model that and say that that's part of the continuum. Um, it might so there's 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 a there are approaches where where schools are integrating disciplines that aren't that don't make up the STEAM or STEM acronym. So that so it's, it's a much more diverse range of different disciplines. Um, it could be thematic. It could be um, that it's, that there are sort of problem 
led, so it's an inquiry-based approach. And I'm, I suppose what I'm doing here is sort of labeling things that pre-exist. Like we know that a lot of these things happen, but one of the things that we've been able to do in this um, uh, model, I suppose, is to frame that as part of a continuum that gets us to play, you know, student-led projects that are designed by them. So it's that sort of meta level. It's the, the, the students are able to reflect upon a process and, and then design that own, their own learning process around that. Um, it, it looks like students uh, in one school designing the, the campus for a new part of their school um, and integrating um, geography, biology and, and um, what else do we have? You know, some, you know tech and, and, uh, and, and maths um, to kind of problem solve their way towards creating a design for a new campus, which sounds awfully um, ambitious until you go to the presentation and you've got all these different groups of students presenting um, in a multimodal way to describe their vision and to show how that would be implemented. There are others who are seeing it much more from a, um, a kind of pedagogical or pedagogical kind of a, a perspective. So it's, it's about the philosophy of learning in the school. Um, others have thought about it in terms of a subject. So uh, one school has created something called Spark and it's very much about uh, aligned to enterprise and it's aligned to sort of creative thinking um, uh, within sort of broadly within sort of enterprise and technology. Um, whereas others have, have kind of thought about it very much more deeply, I guess, in terms of the way in which they're going to reimagine the curriculum so that, so that there is a much more personalized, much more dynamic way of, uh, of working with students. So we don't have this kind of linear way of working. Um, there's a, you know, it's sort of stage rather than age concept i guess which is which you know treats the learner in a way that's much more uh, kind of spoke personalized um and then there's what it will it look like i mean I, you know there are emergent projects in this and it'd be great to to share some of those with, with you you know as, as, the, as that develops and so how do you capture the information because ultimately that's you know it hinges on this how do you capture when where how who how does that happen and what does that look like? So, I mean, I, so I, I talked about multimodal presentations and, and multimodal portfolios. Um, and I think, you know, so what I'm, well, that's one aspect of it, I think. So this idea that there are many different artifacts that come from a learning process and those artifacts we can combine, we can assemble, we can collate. Um, and I think what's really the glue in this is the narration. Is how do we narrate it? How does the learner tell the story of their own learning? Um, and so then you've got a kind of metacognitive dimension to that. There's a reflexive process that isn't just about their own learning, but also that's impact focused. So it's, so it's not just how old, how do all these artifacts connect to tell the story of this developmental process so much as what are my reflections on, on its impact and its potential? Um, so at the University of East London, you, you know, our sole assessment, yeah, format for um, sort of music writing and performance area of, of the arts and creative industry school is interactive multimodal portfolios. Um, we don't have, we don't submit essays, we don't submit performances, um, you, you know, as they are, um, they're all integrated into a, a narrated journey. And that's very much aligned with, you, you know, practice, um, like digital storytelling practice, um, and, and thinking about interactive portfolios, interactive documentary. Um, so that there's a kind of, you can access the work in a non-linear way. And that's, that's one of the key things for me is that, that we, we don't learn in straight lines. We don't learn in a linear way. And, and it's a much more organic kind of almost rhizomatic kind of pattern. Um, and, and that, you know, we need to be able to capture the, the, the diversity of that. And, and so that goes back to this idea that we recognize what we can quantify in a kind of reductive way, but also the experiential effects of what, what we're 
what we're learning. And so the multi-bundle portfolio with a reflection could absolutely have uh, a much more kind of traditional content focused uh, disciplinary assessment or you know, summative assessment process, which is correlated with a much broader range of, of artifacts that tell the story in a, in, in a, in a more multi-dimensional way. Now this is, this is easier for the arts initially because we can video performance, we can create artifacts that come from a creative process. Um, and so a lot of the work that I'm doing with schools here is informed by that, that idea that there are approaches that, that certain disciplines take that we can, we can borrow, we can adapt, we can apply in different ways. I will stop there, but that leads on to the idea of how, well, so what, so how do we then measure that impact? What are we, what are we doing as a kind of, of a, um, maybe a more of a, a, you know, broader assessment process. But, and that's exactly where I was going to get into because you mentioned impact. So, so because we're talking about potential, I'm very interested lately in this idea of potential because, uh, anything that we have as an assessment, as a tool, as a record, anything where we are now, it's not just backward looking, it's forward looking and predictions and guiding and trying to figure out where it's going to go. How does impact and how does potential fall into this? And how can we leverage that to, to, to help the learner and, and really the community as a whole? Mm, yeah, I think that's really, really important. Well, I can't show this to you either verbally or, or visually right now, but um, I know you've, you've seen my presentation on, on the impact map. Um, and so, you know, the, the going back, well, I won't go back actually. So the idea is really that, that this continuum I described that, that moves us from perhaps something that's much more content focused all the way through to something that's very, you know, emergent in terms of the learning process and, um, and, and knowledge exchange. Um, if we are able to map that and we're able to say, okay, well, we can, we can map points of impact um, within a learning process, some of which might be about concrete skills development and for which I may need some instructional teaching um, or I need to go through a re repetitive process to develop a skill or a cognitive kind of process. Um, so we can think about the arts, we can think about sports, we can, you know, there's even, you know, then we can think about uh, developing skills um, that are cognitive for, to, to perform mathematical, mathematical calculations, for example, and, and processes. So they, these, these concrete elements we may need, and we could map those, we could say, okay, well, you know, this particular point of impact is the development of a particular skill that was developed through instructional teaching. But then within a broader project, let's say, or a, or a process of learning, we can also show that that skill was applied within a kind of scaffolded framework to develop um, that skill and apply it in different contexts. So that we can then start to think about, you know, the way that the learners are leveraging that skill and transferring it to, to, to create new meanings for themselves and others. And then initiate opportunities for the learner to apply that in non, um, you, you know, conventional contexts. So not where we'd absolutely, you know, you think about it being applied, you know. So can we apply um, a concept of multiplication to uh, visual arts? You know, what happens if we do that? And we're thinking, and, and we then start talking about concepts of scale and exponential development and so on and so forth. So we, you know, so, so I know that sounds Kind of possibly quite advanced for someone thinking about multiplication for the first time, but we can look at its effects. We could look at the effects of a multiplication process in a visual dimension. We could look at it in a sonic dimension um, and in terms of scale, let's say. Um, and so if we have these multiple plot points and those plot points are connected to the artifacts I spoke about before. So we talk about this multimodal portfolio where I've got, let's say four or five plot points that link to elements of a multimodal portfolio um, that tell that story about the interconnection, then what we're recognizing is, is the nonlinear part of this, which is that we, we don't learn multiplication so that then it, next thing in the sequence is this and next thing in the sequence is this. We think about, you know, let's say just going from the concrete skill aspect, I suppose, we think about developing that concrete skill and then think about its effects across multiple dimensions. But to be able to think about those effects, we may need to establish and scaffold and create frameworks that are more diverse. So we shift towards more divergent ways of applying that skill. 
um, and perhaps then come back to more convergent ways of developing new concrete skills. And it's that kind of oscillation that we see across the map and that we can create uh, an impact map for different stages, different parts of this process. We might have, um, let's say, for example, a student's uh, map for term one and then term two and term three. So we could start to you know, plot that trajectory of, of, of how that student's developing those skills and applying them. It could be that we can map, um, perhaps we're within an interdisciplinary project, the different components of that project. So this would be perhaps more from a curriculum design point of view. We could say, well, you know, this is a collaboration between geography, maths, technology, and biology. Um, where is the distribution of, of, of skills within those, those different disciplines? Is maths more focused on the concrete skills? Is geography more about, uh, you, you know, the concept of the, you know, broader concept of, of mapping and, you know, um, anyway, I won't continue with that example, but you could probably, you can imagine then that there is a different kind of impact distribution for different disciplines from a curriculum design point of view. We can say, okay, well, that's what we plan to do. But then for every student involved in that project, there's going to be a different map for each of those students. And we can start to look at the correlation between what we plan and what emerges in the learning process. And, you know, you could then take that into all sorts of different spaces. It could be about mapping individuals within a collaborative group. It could be about mapping a year level. One of the things I've started with in introducing this to schools is to say, where do you spend most of your time teaching? And what would it look like if you were to teach over here, you know, and, and what, what are the damp, the barriers, what are the drivers, what are the, you know, what's, um, and for learners as well, you know, are you, is it all about stimulus or is it about impetus? Like how do we flip from, from one to the other to develop these innate skills and these emergent skills? So it, it looks, it looks like that as a, as a description, um, and that and that's something that we're you know continuing to develop and, and profile. How do the teachers react when you introduce them? So so when you when you get into the classroom, what's their reaction? What's the process of transforming the teachers? So yeah, I mean, I'm I you know I have a tendency for complexity, so sometimes I have to measure that a little bit. But um, I just but I I think one of the things that um. One of the things I'm noticing really with this is that the well the the, the approaches that we are holding clinics um, and large larger scale workshops with with all schools at once and then individual clinics with um, you know with each school team and so the first year has been very much about designing that process and 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 and, and not a, well actually it, that was towards the end of the first year but it's but it's that how how do you shift mindsets and thinking. To, to move away um, from content if what you want to do is to put focus on, on transfer. Because what that looks like is an erosion of expertise to some teachers, but, uh, and many teachers, and quite rightly so, because you, you know, you've, the, the, the process of, the, of becoming a teacher with that knowledge and, and the process of training within that discipline, um, you know, is, it does develop expertise in that, in that way, but it's very, it can be very linear it's, and it often leads to this kind of content-based approach that builds expertise slowly so that I become the expert and then I can you know transfer that as a teacher so we're, we're in this kind of cycle and so you know working with that to challenge those some of those assumptions to um, you know really divert attention away from the automatic answer sometimes so for example um, in the second in the no yeah in the first year sorry um i did a session that looked at epistemic justice and and this idea that we should we have a responsibility to not only provide access to knowledge which would be perhaps the content-based approach to traditional um, teaching but to the tools of interpretation and and the, the thesis really behind the project is that actually we should be putting more emphasis on the tools of interpretation to develop emergent skills, to promote agency and learning, because it, because it's then we can apply those tools, or those those modes of learning to different contexts and different content, and and to do that by modelling with teachers, 
the process of what does it feel like to be caught in an assessment process? So doing poster display activities, for example, where they're promote they're presenting a poster display about their project, but then rather than uh, rather than you know assessing the poster display, what we then get into is a kind of reflexive metacognitive process about well, what did that feel like as a process? Does it capture everything? What sits outside the frame of the assessment task? You know, what, are, what, are, what, what is the continuum that we're really, we only have a snapshot of? And how did you feel constrained by that, for example? So, so, so often in this process of modeling it, and then my expectation is that they are then establishing that modeling process with students to establish new patterns of behavior, to establish new modes of thinking and um, so I know that you asked what does it look like when you're in the room with the teacher floor but you, you know and, and I suppose in the lead up to where we are right now that's what it's looked like it's, it's very been, been very much more about really shifting you know perspectives on on what learning it, it is what do we assume it to be and, and what, what is its potential and then there's been some incredible momentum built because teachers have you know, I hear a lot, you know, oh, this reminds me of when I first started teaching. And this isn't for everyone. I don't want to character everyone like this, characterize everyone like this. But I've heard that a lot, that that idea that, you know, this, this, there's a certain freedom and a certain levity um, to move away from a kind of control power, you know, you know sort of driven dynamic in teaching that does put expertise and content in, in the you know in the realm of the teaching you know the explicit teaching um towards something that's much more free perhaps less easy to quantify but much more open much more uh you know creative and and uh, growth focused tell us about um what's on your mind this is a little bit like so you've talked so much about some of the projects you're working on but what are some of the things you're thinking outside of the day job uh, that's difficult that's a difficult one but um i mean i you know one of the things that, uh, well, I don't know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to, I'm just going to pause and think a minute, actually, Benjamin, because, uh, you know, I don't want to just launch back into an automatic answer with that, but because I think that's a really good question. Um, a lot of what I'm doing is modeling some of my own processes. So there is this kind of feedback loop that goes on. And, um, you know, it is that, that flip between analyzing to synthesize as parts of something new. And a lot of that comes in to, to, to my world. So, that might that often turns into you know how making music composing performing feeds into a creative thought process that then has an impact in in the learning space um or it might be building um a wall uh, i've been i've been building and rendering you know a wall for a pizza oven base just just because that's what you might do you, you know in december let's remind people you're in australia so it's hot and and that that's um you know that kind of pro you know it's kind of creative there's lots of problem solving in that and i don't i'm not trying to you know give the cheap answer which is oh yeah everything's learning but there, the, but it but it sort of is you know there's a kind of um there are dimensions of your life that feed into that i think that's that's a natural kind of organic thing. Um, it's a weird work, you know, a weird year this year. Um, and I'm, the, the masters that I developed uh, are about, it, it, what that sits around is this concept of distributed expertise, distributed learning. And it's about a global perspective, hence the title, um, on, interconnecting different types of industries, interconnecting different uh, individuals across the world, um, you know, to, to, to kind of capitalize and, uh, on, on the different experiences that they have within their different spaces. And we were meant to hold a conference to launch that last May, March, sorry. And of course that didn't happen. Um, and yet it was, you know, kind of preempted what a mode of learning that we're that is commonplace now. Um, and I'm not saying that it's only online, but but certainly these distributed partnerships um, across you know the world. The fact that we're speaking, for example, um, you know, is part of this kind of broader concept of knowledge exchange, which I hope can really you know deepen and broaden and and uh, 
you know, so that was that's been kind of an eye opener for me, which is you know that the course couldn't really start properly um, because of COVID nineteen, but it actually it 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 it's it's kind of doing the right thing, I think, you know, and, and so so we look forward to a launch in September twenty one now as as we as we kind of go forwards with that. I don't know whether that's quite the answer you're looking for. I ended up talking about work still anyway, didn't I? So. But, but you know, it just goes to show to me, like you know, this this is something that is uh, you do it for the passion, you do it for yeah. the love rather yeah. than for the paycheck. So your answer and being absorbed in this um, yeah. is uh, is absolutely fascinating. And actually, I was listening to a podcast this morning saying that learning is about being absorbed and even maybe obsessed in something right? mm. just continuing yeah. continuing it doesn't it's not it's not work it just you just live it yeah. how do people get in touch with you how do people get in touch okay well um i'm I, i'm i work at the university of east london um australia branch it seems um you know at the moment but so yeah i mean i, I have an email address there if that's good for me to speak out now so it's um m dot bunce b-u-n-c-e at uel.ac.uk um i also have michaelbunce.com which is a sort of landing page for lots of uh, lots of these projects um and the metapraxisproject.org which um which it sort of tells the story of, of the metapraxis project but yeah michaelbunce.com has links to to that and the synoptic impact mapping project that i've spoken about as well and um yeah direct contact is available through email across you know those sites and the email address I've just just given. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been it's been really rich, and uh, and um, I, I appreciate you you spending so much time with us. No, thank you. And uh, it's really good to, to be able to, to be able to chat and um, again. And um, yeah, I, the time has flown by. I hope I hope it's been uh, you know a, an easy listen. <laughs> I'd like to thank Michael once again for being a part of our show. You've been listening to the Meaningful Learning Podcast by Coconut Thinking. I'm your host, Dr. Benjamin Ford. And thank you, listener, for staying with us, for listening to our other shows, for giving us ratings on your favorite podcast platform. Our next show will be a little bit different. Uh, I won't have a guest, or rather I'll have myself as a guest. I'd like to explore more uh, an idea that I've had um, that uh, Charlotte and I have discussed about purpose in learning, taking student agency, student-centered approaches farther, not replacing it, taking it farther towards having a common purpose, which is having a positive impact on the bio-collective. And this is an article that you can see on our website, www.coconut-thinking.design. But I'd like to talk a little bit more about this because it's something that really interests me. It seems to have had a pretty good response out there, which means that there is certainly a social and emotional and definitely an ecological need to discuss um, not just what's good for all life forms but also how we can focus learning towards this common purpose in the meantime uh, i'd like to thank you again and um, also we have a few guests that are coming up who are very interesting including dr tom markham who is one of the founders and godfather should i say about pdl in the meantime thank you so much happy new year again leave a comment uh, please contact us through the website and uh, speak to you soon bye-bye